Well, our second reading comes again from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 through 4. Oh, that you would rip open the heavens and descend, make the mountains shudder at your presence, as when a forest catches fire, as when a, fo- as when a fire makes a pot to boil, to shock your enemies into facing you, make the nations shake in their boots. You did terrible things we never expected, descended and made the mountains shudder at your presence. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's good to be with you today as Ginny takes some planned time off and we begin our time of Advent together, awaiting the coming of the Christ child. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So I brought my Advent wreath to share today. This is my very first Advent wreath that I bought on my own. It has children of the world around it, and then it has the four themes of Advent around it, which we will talk about later. I just thought I'd share that with you and hopefully not knock it off. Well, I failed. There we go. So if you don't have an Advent wreath, Well, there are lots of ideas out there about how to make one at home, 2020 style. Here we go. Well, friends, what a year it's been. We had Easter at home. We celebrated Earth Day alone. And now it looks like Advent will be more of the same. Many of us are trying to avoid excessive trips to the store, so the question is, how do we light Advent candles each Sunday if we don't have an Advent wreath at home? COVID crafting to the rescue. Any candle you have at home can be used in your Advent wreath. It doesn't matter if they are different sizes or colors. It doesn't matter if they are electric or old-fashioned. It doesn't matter if it smells like beach walk or holiday hearth. If you're in a worshipful mood as you light them each Sunday, they will be just fine. But what if you con Marie'd all your candles last year? You can improvise with objects you have on hand to create a modern Advent wreath. This is where your toilet paper hoarding pays off. Empty toilet paper rolls make great fake candles. Then, each week, you take a post-it note and cut it into the shape of a flame, affixing it to each of the candles. And if you're running low on toilet paper rolls, get out of the bathroom and head to the kitchen to see what can be a stand-in for your advent wreath. 2020 is all about making do with what we've got. So you'll want to look for three items that are identical and one that is slightly different to represent the candle of joy. Onion, onion, joy, onion. 
spoon, spoon, joy, spoon, cabernet, cabernet, rosé, merlot. Canned goods are a personal DIY candle favorite. A can of cranberry sauce completes this gorgeous garbanzo bean advent wreath. Top them off with carrot sticks for realistic looking flames. Whatever wreath you assemble, place it on a nearby table as you tune into worship each Sunday in Advent, knowing that just as God was with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds on their lonely and brave journeys, God is with you too. Onion, onion, joy, onion. Funny, yes, but practical at the same time. So hat tip to Skip Jackson for sharing that on Facebook. The season of Advent is indeed a season of waiting. Who loves to wait? Yeah, me neither. In fact, I'm really bad at it. So bad that when I was a child, I would snoop around and find my presents. I blew my cover one year when I asked my mother if that winter coat hidden under her bed came in any other colors. Even as we lit the Advent wreath at our house, I refused to wait. The first candle which we lit this morning stands for hope. As a family, we would sing a song together as we lit the candle. Light one candle for hope, one bright candle for hope. He brings hope to every heart. He comes, he comes. Now, Holy Moly kids might recognize that song from our own Advent tradition. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the hope of Christmas when he declared in Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. While the lectionary text declares that people do not expect a baby born to a poverty-stricken, unwed teenager to be the promised Messiah. Rather, they expect the return of an angry God who will violently rip open the heavens, one who will shock your enemies. By this time, the Israelites have returned from their exile in Babylon, yet they are not whole. Jerusalem is broken and healing takes time and work. The people lament that God has abandoned them due to their foolishness, and when God does return, it won't be pretty. It's not hard to understand how God's people were feeling. We ourselves have brought this environment to the brink with so many tropical storms and hurricanes on record that we've exhausted one whole alphabet. The rise of white nationalism amidst the movement for black lives, a continually contentious election, and differing responses to a global pandemic all serve to further disenchant and divide us. Certainly God has had enough of our foolishness. But prophets, but prophets, those gifted with the ability to speak truth to power still exist today. Oftentimes, prophets pay for their boldness with their very lives, like Dr. King, who declared to a weary, sinful nation, I have a dream. King quoted Isaiah in his famous speech when he took an entire nation to church, exclaiming, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain made low, the rough places shall be made straight, 
and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Dr. King knew that his dream of justice and equality was in harmony with God's dream proclaimed by Isaiah. A dream of hope, yet unrealized even today. So where do we find hope in the midst of a pandemic that seems to go on and on and on, that has killed, has killed nearly one and a half million people and infected another 62 million around the globe, that has shut down schools and ended jobs, that has isolated families from each other and left whole communities reeling? Where do we find hope this Advent? Well, me, I find hope where I've always found hope in children. Here are some of St. John's children. There's Avery, whose adoption by Jeff and Duane was announced at the close of worship Palm Sunday. She's growing up right before our eyes every morning on Facebook, if you check in and see her. Then we have Liam, whose birth was celebrated even as we mourned the loss of John, his grandfather. Then we have Theo born just before the shutdown, who is now a toddler, ready to take on the world. This is where I find hope. The second candle, which we light next week, is the candle of peace. Isaiah continues in chapter chapter 11. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child shall lead them. A child shall lead them. Not a warrior, as in today's scripture, who, who, which reads, those who would make the mountains shudder, no, a child shall lead them. One benefit of having schools closed is that we have far fewer school shootings. In fact, this past March, when the lockdown began, was the first March without a school shooting since 2002, 18 years I am, like most others, always stunned at school shootings, always. And I vividly remember Columbine in 1999, which took the lives of 15 and injured dozens more. If you're old enough, and I know some of you aren't, but if you're old enough, I imagine you remember those images burned into your brain of kids jumping out of windows, exiting the school with their hands above their heads. My daughter was three at the time and was spending her first overnight with the grandparents about 300 miles away, and she might as well have been 3,000 miles away. More recently, we had a shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, which happened on Valentine's Day, 2018. Following the Florida shooting, media-savvy kids took took to Facebook and Twitter and organized what has become an international movement against gun violence. The government leaders didn't do it. The kids did it. The March for Our Lives was worldwide and empowered over 1.2 million youth and their allies to stand up against gun violence. Here's an image of our own youth participating in the March for Our Lives. That's Riley and Jordan and um, I remember Jordan did this on one foot because his knee or his ankle was injured, and so he did it on one foot and a knee scooter. That's dedication. The work of those kids, now young adults from Marjorie Stoneman, continues to this day. 
as we mark a record surge of 18 to 29-year-olds voting in the 2020 presidential election. According to Tufts University, young people made their voices heard. Their current estimate of youth turnout suggests between 52 to 55 percent of young people voted. May not sound like a lot, especially if you're an avid voter, but this is the highest rate since the 26th Amendment lowered the voting age to 18 in 1971. So good for them. The movement to register and educate young voters came from young people, especially young people of color, motivated by continued police violence against black and brown bodies. The movement for black lives continues across the globe and is led unequivocally and unapologetically by young people of color. A child shall lead them. So where do you find peace during this time? Ironically, I find peace in protest. This was this picture is um, from a protest in Hilliard as racist signs were pasted all over Hilliard one night. As I gather with like-minded people and put my feet in the street, I find peace in solidarity, in knowing that I am not alone. And while some of that has subsided, of course, with the pandemic, opportunities to communicate with those in power abound. Contact me after worship for ways to wage peace from home. Now, our lectionary text reminds us that the people are awaiting a vengeful God, one who would do terrible things and make the mountains shudder. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that idea of a vengeful God. My faith claims grace and mercy, love and peace now, God's anger at injustice, I can accept. After all, there's plenty to be upset about. Poverty, income inequality, racial oppression, misogyny, sexism, transphobia, the list goes on and on and is often and almost always interconnected. However, this warrior God depicted in Isaiah is simply uncomfortable. The vengeful, angry God sounds more destructive than peaceful. But stay with me. Isaiah's not done yet. The third candle lit in two weeks is the pink candle, which represents joy. Anybody know why the third candle is pink? And the answer to that question depends on who you ask. My favorite is the idea that this is Mary's candle. Luke 2 tells the story of a young teenage virgin named Mary who gets an unexpected visit from an angel telling her the good news that she is to bear God's son. After the shock wears off, Mary sings for joy, exclaiming, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my Savior, for he has looked down with favor on the lowliest of his servant. Sadly, from now, all generations, surely from now, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And she continues subversively. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Now, a song of joy, if there ever was one. But we forget, or we never realize, just how radical Mary was. 
Mary calls for the powerful to be brought down from their thrones, an expression, if overheard by the wrong person, could have Mary put to death. The song of joy is both celebratory and dangerous. And while joy is often found in the birth of a child, it can also be found in smaller things like a new mask. Here's my new mask. It's my St. John's mask. Throughout the pandemic, a few of our seamstresses have been regularly donating homemade masks of all designs. Our homeless and marginally housed friends at the largest table on Wednesdays are always thrilled to choose a new clean mask. With gratitude and joy, they choose their favorite pattern. Even just giving them a choice, which they often don't get to have, brings joy. This Advent, we reflect on what brings us joy. Even amidst the pandemic and the stay-at-home advisory, we can find joy. Maybe you find joy in the people with whom you are, well, stuck, for lack of a better word. Perhaps you find joy anew in your pets or in your home. There's my joy at the moment, my husband and my dog. It can be challenging to find something to be joyful about during this time. I hope you find joy in this church community, in the way we greet each other online. I found joy this past week when it was decided that my son would stay put in Pennsylvania for Thanksgiving. I found joy in a woman I have never met, aside from a Facebook chat room, who prepared and delivered a plate of homemade food for him. I found joy in the technology that allowed us to dine together apart. And just imagine the joy when we can all be together again, when we can hug and shake hands, go to lunch and laugh together mask-free. Yes, even the introvert in me looks forward to that moment. The fourth candle we light in three weeks. It's the candle of love. Luke's narrative continues in chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Joseph went down from the, Naz- from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. I love, this is probably my favorite part, I love how Eugene Peterson's book, The Message, retells the story in the Gospel of John, especially John 1, verses 14, which reads, The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Now, who hasn't experienced at some point moving into a neighborhood or having someone new move into your neighborhood, even if your neighborhood is on the porch outside St. John's? Now, I've had some doozy of neighbors, and I've also had some really great neighbors, and I've seen how they can affect your life and your community. Jesus arrives and moves in, God with us. The single most radical moment in human history occurs when God breaks into our world in the form of a poor baby born in a barn. Love moves in 
and the world will never be the same again. So where do we find that world-changing love today? Maybe in those who dare to stand for democracy amongst the many challenges we've seen since the election. For the love of their country, I can think of a few who have said no signs of fraud, and they've paid with their jobs. Still, I can think of many, many more who have remained silent for fear of such retribution. The prophet Micah asked the question, what does the Lord require of you? I often read it as, what does love require of you? Micah answers, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Love is a tall order indeed. At this point in our lectionary scripture, filled with the expectation of a violent and vengeful God, things take a turn. For prophets speak truth, but they also speak promise. And Isaiah concludes, since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. The prophet reminds us, as prophets do, that God is indeed for us, beside us, on our side, cheering us on. And when people forget this, what does God do? If you've attended our Route 66 class or some of our other Bible studies, you'll know that throughout the Old Testament, God sends someone to the scene as a reminder, someone who offers hope, peace, joy, and love, someone who reconciles God and God's people. And so we will, over the next few weeks, have our Advent wreath all lit up with hope, peace, joy, and love. My challenge to you as we walk through Advent together is to focus at the end of each day and ask yourself, where did I find hope today? Where did I find peace today? Where did I find joy today? And where did I find love today? May your answers to these questions be your gift to the world this season and always. Amen.